Hey, you ready, Jay? Yo, ish. Hey, what's up, citizens? I am your V podcaster host, Jay Starks, and welcome to the Bingo Book Podcast. Yes, yes. We have made some slight changes to the pod. You know, it took us a little while to get things together. And you, we may be experiencing some technical difficulties. You know, for those that know, if you know, you know, um, OBS had a recent new update, uh, OBS 28. And <laughs> for the lack of better words, it's crashed just about everybody's plugins, applications, what have you. But hey, we're going to work our way through that. Hey, shout outs to my BOMAT family in the building. Kepi, Fim, I see you. I see you. Hey, I love the love. You got to you, you gotta love it. But, you know, hey, we're going to do what we can to give you guys what you want. Um, you know, we're now doing our BBB live streams on Saturdays only. You know, that's one of the changes that we have. But, hey, I don't know if you have noticed. Have you noticed anything new yet? Hmm. Have you? Just, just. Something, something is on the sky. Oh, wait a minute. Film says, oh, look at how beautiful that mic. Yes. Do y'all see the new mic asset? Doesn't it look amazing? I mean, dang, like for now, for those that are listening to the audio, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, but you'll have to check out the video episode to see this sexy piece of work. Oh my goodness. I mean, just look at this. Just look at this. Bam! <laughs> Yo, hey, that's that's cold, right? That's cold, right? You like that? You like that? Bam! Put the fill the pop filter all. Hey, so sick. Hey, shout outs to N for the incredible mic asset. I mean, I legit did the stanky leg dance. <laughs> When I saw this preview of the microphone posted on this Twitter page, I was like, oh, no, I got to get down right now. But, yeah, I, I, I absolutely love the tune drawing that he did for me as well. So, hey, if you get any type of time to check out his page, definitely go to uh, Innisphere. Um, he does exceptional work. And, I mean, I'm just really, really happy about uh, what we have so far. So, But, hey, citizens, we are on episode 31 and we have another two-parter coming here soon so you know for our anime discussions for our a-side slate in today's episode we'll be discussing several different topics such as jealousy and relationships Ooh. Mm, spicy <laughs> yes you know jealousy definitely has the extreme ability to destroy relationships we'll definitely be talking about that soon we'll also be talking about the fear of human advancement ah oh, yikes i mean is it really robots that we have to be worried about or ourselves Ooh, but we'll be discussing this and many, many more topics in today's episode. So, hey, um, you know, jump on in and we'll talk about our first anime for discussion. And that is. Season two of Classroom of the Elite, episode nine, titled If You Make a Mistake, dot, dot, dot. 
Now, <laughs> I'm not adding the dot, dot, dots on there. I'm, I'm saying that because it's actually a, a much longer name. I don't know what's going on with anime today. <laughs> like, they just have these, like, huge titles. Like, if I make a mistake, then it's a mistake. And if I drop and I go down the street and I'm riding on a skateboard, then that's the end of my life, period. What? What? That's the anime title? You expect me to fit all of it? No, I, I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, and I won't. So we're just going to simplify, right? <laughs> but yeah, in this episode, uh, Ayana Koji and Suzune are working separately on different teams to ensure the success of students from Classroom D for a written exam. Now, and Ayana Koji's team is very chill and, you know, they really start to enjoy each other's company. And as a result of their newfound friendships, I was going to say relationships, <laughs> relations, <laughs> but their newfound friendships, they decide to call each other by their first names. And some of them also receive nicknames as well. So, you know, it makes me want to pivot to creating nicknames for friends. Hmm. Have you, have you received some nicknames from your friends? Now there's a couple of people in the chat right now that, uh, they can't play the fifth because I've given a couple nicknames. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, most nicknames are actually given by family. Like I, I find that to be interesting. Most people that you come across, they already had a nickname given to their, their, you know, to them by their family. And it's usually like, right. Almost a little bit after birth. Like once they hit that one year, two years of age, it seems like most people have already had their their nicknames engraved and that's kind of what it's going to be and what they'll say oh yeah you can call me such and such you know but it's you know of course it's also it, depending on the friendship like how cool are you with that person because sometimes it's kind of a key you know to how deep our bond is between each other you know i can't allow you to call me by my nickname if you're not really family or like a, someone I consider to be a really good friend, you have to be in my end circle for me to kind of approve of you in that way. But then some others are like, hey, you know, it's a shortcut. It's the easiest way to say my name. So just call me this and that's fine. Uh, now, sometimes nicknames are created. For example, think of rappers like Eminem. <laughs> I mean, his real name is Marshall Mathers. I mean, it kind of makes sense if you think about it. If you take the first letters of his name, Marshall M, Mathers M, boom. I mean, you got it, Eminem. I mean, you know, of course, for trademark purposes, you want to, he had to switch that thing up. But I mean, it just, it really makes sense. And I think that that's a really cool nickname and, and rapper name that he has. But, you know, you do, you also have some nicknames that have to be earned you know it's kind of like the nfl football hall of famer shannon sharp when it comes down to lebron james <laughs> you know he pretty much coined the term goat james you know and so there's a lot of people today uh, especially if you follow basketball that call lebron james goat james and now unless you like another goat who remains nameless in this stream <laughs> unless we get a sponsorship or something 
<laughs> you know that that goat we will not bring up but i understand you know you may share the sentiment of hey that's that's my goat and that's okay you know you can you can have that all right let's go ahead and move on oh well actually wait before we move on you know hey if you definitely have given nicknames uh to friends i, I definitely i would like to know like what is the most unique and maybe even weird nickname if you've heard uh today i i think relative wise i have a cousin named nisi and i still today don't know like where that came from like, i don't know if it's like a a french play on uh like cousin or something i don't know but it's it's the name sounds so cool like i just think it's it's so dope you know uh, but Okay, well, we move on to our next anime for discussion, and that is, oh, my stepmom's daughter is my ex, episode nine, titled Youthful Indiscretion. Oh, sounds kind of, kind of fantastic, but in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> um, we take a trip down memory lane with Yume and Mizuto's relationship in this episode. Now, uh, this was before they became step siblings, but we got to see, you know, pretty much like how their relationship took a turn for the worse. It started out with uh, Mizuto, uh, who, you know, was really jealous about hearing Yume's new friend. You know, Yume has always been a very shy and timid person and really didn't approach a lot of people but it turns out that you know she was somehow able to make a new friend and she attributed that to Mizuto's um you know uh the communication that they had between each other so it's like she felt more confident about herself like hey like maybe I can speak to this girl and and we can start hanging out and that's pretty much what happened but as you know she began to constantly talk about this friend every you know anytime that she met Mizuto or moments when they you know she would spend a lot of time with this friend Mizuto begot became became a like more a lot more frustrated and mad that uh about this and felt like uh, that was the centerpiece of their conversation. And so more fuel to the fire was added when Yume saw Mizuto speaking later to another girl at the library, which is typically the place that they spend time with each other after school. So, I mean, imagine like walking up, you know, and, and your girlfriend and your boyfriend is speaking to some girl and, you know, or boy, and they're sitting in your chair, the chair that you sit in, right next to your partner and you know there's there's no discretion there's nothing they're sharing laughs they're enjoying having a great time you know would you would you be jealous you know and it just makes me think about jealousy in relationships you know um i feel that you know we kind of touched on it a little bit but when you're hanging out with friends uh, or other people way too frequently outside of your relationships, I feel like that tends to be one of the things that makes your partner jealous because they're not being able to spend time with you. And instead, you know, you're allotting a lot more of your time, or it may not even be a lot of your time. It may just be, you know, uh, there's a weekend where you decide to go out with friends and they may feel like, 
you know, you're, you're so accessible to other people that, you know, I'm not able to really, um, you know, I, I'm starting to feel away because I don't have access to you 24 seven. And that's, I mean, that's, I feel like that's, it's right. Like I, I agree that, yeah, there, the, there's a sense of, you shouldn't hang out with other people too frequently, especially if you're trying to nurture and grow a relationship and keep, um, I mean, honestly, like just trying to keep that person from really having to start, you know, their minds to wander off and start to become jealous because they know that they're the centerpiece of your world and your life. But at the same time, I see like the toxic side of it too, where like, hey, if I have a lot of friends or if I like to go out and spend time and this is just kind of how I've always been most of my life and in conversations with you, you knew this about me. And as we um, kind of continue growing throughout our relationship, it, you know, you see that this is something that kind of makes me who I am. I don't know how you would be like too upset with someone that's kind of lived a lifestyle like that already, you know? And so I I feel like in, there's a little bit of touch and go when it comes down to that. But also having access to things or events that your partner may not. And like, like let me kind of explain what I mean by this. I'll give you an example, prime, <laughs> a little piece and story of, of your boy Jake Starks' life. So I was in a relationship where um, it was long distance and the person I was dating, uh, you know, I would go, they, they would get upset with me because I tend to go out like every other weekend um, with friends and we would, you know, drink or, you know, just have a good time. You know, it was mostly house parties. We may play retro games or just a little bit of everything. Right. Um, but this, because, you know, we were in a long distance relationship at the time and they couldn't be present to any of those events, they became jealous of the situation and, uh, <laughs> pretty much made it noted to me that like, I need to be home sooner or talk to them, uh, on the phone as much as I could during the time I'm at the events and stuff like that. And I'm like, this is, this is kind of unreasonable. <laughs> I mean, what like you want me to just be a prisoner of my four walls in my home? What do what more do you want from me? I give you, I give you everything. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I I understand that you know that you know when a person, uh, especially in a long distance relationship, they don't have access to you, and so every little moment that you get to speak to each other or uh, you know a visits. Uh, those become like really, really, you know, diamond situations, you know, something that you really take care of and consider. But at the same time, you know, uh, we all individually, we have our own lives as well. And so I, I would like to think that there is, you know, a, a, a compromise in between, but it's also respect of each other's um, time and you know, things that they may be interested in as well. So, uh, but, you know, also being constantly needed by others. Like I know that this could be a huge portion that can make people jealous of, you know, when just imagine someone constantly, constantly uh, coming to your, you know, boyfriend or your girlfriend and saying, Hey, like, let's go do this or, Hey, let's hang out. Or, Hey, I need to talk to you about something or whatever the case may be. And it seems like you're constantly being, tugged away 
your partner's being tugged away from you by other people. And that can be somewhat frustrating to know that like, dang, like this person is so popular or so needed and wanted, but I want that all to myself. Like I don't want anyone else to have them, but me, you know, and, and it's kind of, it's so crazy. Like, I feel like that's the pivotal point of love because you care about this person so much that you it's like that's your treasure you want to keep it all to yourself and i feel like that feeling is fine but the action behind it is 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 kind of <laughs> it's pretty toxic you know but okay so i mean have you been in relationships that uh your partners were jealous you know have you have you been one on the other side where you know you were uh, one of those friends that were frequently asking about others and didn't realize that, you know, you may have been sparking some jealousy between other people. Now, sometimes people are intentional with it. Like, Hey, like I'm a, I'm, I'm a do this because I know it's going to get under her skin or his skin. And I like, that's like, dang, like, hold up. Like you gotta relax. Like, don't be, don't be rude now. <laughs> well, all right. We move on to, our next anime for discussion, and that is Vermil in Gold, episode nine, titled "The Mage of Heaven's Will." Ooh, heavenly sounds so so good, and this actually was a a pretty good episode. You know, it really gives you um, a lot to look forward to in the future, especially if you're someone like me that li really likes like supernatural. Uh, magic-based type of anime. But in this episode, we have Alto, who sets off with Vermil to take their first practical test to become a bronze-certified mage. Now, he's faced with the task, and Vermil encourages Alto, hey, don't hold back. Like, just, you know, perform in this test to your best ability. Give it all that you got. And Alto pretty much is like, you know what, Vermil? You're right. I promised you that I was going to give my all and because I was going to protect you no matter what. And it starts right here. This right here in this moment, I'm going to continue to give everything that I have. And, sh you know, so I, people will see that um, what I'm what I'm intending to do to protect you is real. And yeah, you know, he gave um it really all he had and just a, a a really ridiculous thing happened in the show but you gotta watch the anime to figure it out i'm not gonna spoil it for you but giving 100 effort to everything is it's an interesting thought like do you give 100 effort to everything now I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you like if it's something that i don't care about no I'm I'm not giving 100% effort to it. I'm I'm not. I'm going to be just be honest with y'all one time. <laughs> but if it's something that I'm truly passionate about, oh yes, I'm giving it 100% effort every single time. And and that's just it's really like just the joy in it, you know, just knowing that I'm I'm doing something that I truly truly love. But when it comes down to giving this much effort, uh, you know, one of the good things about it is people can count on you. And it's true. Like when you give it your all and, you know, people really start to recognize that about you and they say, wow, wow. Like Jay, like he, he, anytime he's presented with a task, 
you know, he goes 100% each and every moment. You know, there's not a sleeping moment for him. And I like that about him. Like, that means I know I can trust him with the task, if you know, or something that I really need, that he'll be there for me in the moments of a clutch situation or just in general. And that's a pretty cool attribute to have, right? Um, You also generally improve anytime you give 100% effort to everything too. I mean, just think about it. And, you know, if, if I'm training and I'm going hard, you know, gifts, giving my best each and every time, and it only makes sense that you become uh, mentally a bit more stronger, physically a bit more stronger. Right. And so I, I feel like that applies like to like your day-to-day tasks as well. You know, if you do enough stuff on the computer you know, uh, in repetition, eventually you're going to get faster at the task over time. Right. Um, however, I also feel that there's sometimes you may be surrounded by others that give far less effort. And that's, it's really, that's, that's a really, uh, sucky thing for people that go ham and give effort all the time because, uh, you may be forced to move on, you know, as the saying goes, iron sharpens iron. You know, I'm sure that y'all have heard that sentiment, that analogy before. And so example I give is kind of like with fighting games. And I may have said this before in episodes past, but it's it's really true. Um, you know, I read man, who's one of my homies, super, super good at fighting games. But before I met, I read man, I would play a lot of my friends from, uh, you know, that I grew up with and you know, I, I smoked them in fighting games. I mean, <laughs> I, I really beat them down. You know, it was, it was no competition at all, you know, and there's over time, I mean, some of them got a little bit better, but if I really wanted to get um, peak and really increase my performance and get better, I'd had to find, uh, you know, opponents that were, you know, at least equally good as me or better. And, that was the sad part about it. It's like, dang, like these are my homies and we have a great time. But there, if I'm really trying to be, you know, a professional in this, this area or, or even better in this, this game or this area, then I had to find someone that's a lot more, um, you know, that can improve my skill as well. And so, yeah, like, you know, that, that's the problem with, you know, sometimes when it comes down to efforts, I can see in sports specifically, like, you know, if you're, you know, have a teammate who doesn't really give it their all and maybe like the other 99% of you do give your all, that person's most likely going to become the outcast. And so in a lot of situations, you kind of have to also read the room because you may end up, you know, in the lion's pit with some very, very hard workers. And if you tend to be, you know, someone that's a little bit more slow paced, um, or, you know, you're not, maybe not at the same level as them, you know, they're going to possibly start giving you the eyes of like, this person is holding us back or not making us look as good. Or why is this person still here? They're not even comparable to like the skill level that we're at. And, but, you know, at the same time, I also feel that, you know, even if someone isn't, uh, 
necessarily at the same level as someone else, that doesn't mean that they're not giving 100% effort. It's that what they can give, you know, it's their 100% effort. And so I, I feel like a lot of us have to be mindful that, you know, there isn't really a, a equal level of, of effort, you know, like everybody's effort is different, but what that looks like for everyone is, is, is totally um, something that can be unique to each and every one of us. Right. Okay. We move, we move to our next anime for discussion. <laughs> Y'all like, yo, Jay, you be, why are you hitting us with these like heavy topics? A it be like that. <laughs> All right. Our next anime for discussion is Engage Kiss, episode nine, titled Without Understanding the Tears Shed. Oof. Oof. I ain't gonna lie, y'all. I cried. <laughs> Oh, I cried in this episode. Straight up. I was I was boohooing. I was boo I was boohooing so hard because I felt it. I, I really did feel this episode. But um yeah, in this episode, Shu discovers the man who raised him since he was a little kid and was practically a second father to him was behind the death of Mikami a man that Shu trusted and enjoyed working with to destroy demons within Baron City and also had something to do with his, the death of his mother and father. Dang, so, so crazy. But, you know, I'm, I'm just going to get straight into it. You know, the deceived, being deceived by the closest people to you. I mean, you know, I think the crazy thing about this uh, especially if you you know watch this episode is uh you know you can kind of come to terms or maybe identify with it is when it comes to deception especially the closest people near you you don't necessarily always see it coming you know it is really comes out of the left field and you're kind of like like what what like this person did this to me like no like that's that's impossible. And so just trying to like rack your brain over someone that was so close to you, you know, it, 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 you honestly don't believe that that's a possibility. And so when it actually happens to you, you know, the idea of being blindsided is something that definitely comes to mind. Um, but also the reason why it's, uh, so crazy is because, you trust them so much, you know, when you trust someone to the utmost ability where like, you don't even have a second thought of, you know, is this person lying to you? Um, you know, being untrustworthy, any of those things, uh, usually because of that trust, you know, deception and them kind of leading you down a whole nother road is, you know, one of the furthest things away from your mind. But then you also have like ulterior motives to think about, you know, when you consider people that are, you know, your close, your close or best friends or family, you know, you're not thinking, oh, like, you know, such and such person has uh, an idea of like what they want out of the situation and what they can get out of me. You know, you're not thinking about that because in the foresight, you know, you're saying, hey, this person has 
you know, is, is, is wants the best for me. And, you know, why would I have any other doubts or thoughts about this person? And I say, lastly, um, you know, when it comes down to being deceived by someone that's really close to you is, you know, how painful it could be, you know, the pain that comes from, uh, you know, that person, because you love them so much, you know, you care about them so much and trying to, you know, kind of separate the two and say, Hey, this is a person that I love, but I no longer can trust them or whatever decision that you happen to make because they deceived you, um, you know, is a pain that a lot of us probably, you know, have experienced before. And some of us probably can't even describe. So, you know, if you're someone that's experienced this and have been deceived by someone that was really close to you, hey, trust me. You know, you'll be, you know, I hope that everything is all right, you know, and, you know, feel free to, you know, get any type of professional help if you feel that you need that. Um, but definitely, I feel like talking to someone if it's something that's on your mind and, you know, you you continue to have these wandering thoughts, you know, that could be a very uh, painful experience to go through and it can have a huge impact on how you deal with other relationships as you go forward in your life. So. Yeah, you know, um, this is BBP is definitely a safe space. So, hey, if you uh, are listening and you ever want to talk to your boy, Jay, hey, I got you. You know, if there's anyone out there that you need to know loves you, it's me. I love you. <laughs> All right. Moving on to our next anime for discussion. And that is. <laughs> I tried to I tried to get the O to come out, but it wasn't spitting like that for some reason. <laughs> uh, Overlord, we're on season four of Overlord, episode nine, titled "Countdown to Extinction." Now, in this episode, Ayn speaks with Sabus and some of the other members of his nation regarding the strength of humans. And, you know, in this conversation, Eyes, you know, he becomes very concerned uh, while they're in his frontier to expand the nation and his relationships around the world. Uh, but, you know, he wants to limit the growth of humans because he believes that, uh, you know, if they gain too much power, they can be very dangerous. And so it made me think about the fear of human advancement, because that's practically what Eins was saying is like, Hey, like, you know, we have to be very weary of what humans are capable of because if we give them too much power and we've seen from like examples as of recently that, you know, they're willing to do the worst, if not take full advantage of us. And we're not willing to give up that type of power. And so, um, you know, I know that this is a deep topic, but from time to time, you know, that's what we do here. So, you know, just humor me for just a moment, you know, just a moment, just a little bit. Now, when I think about humanity and its time, you know, when you think about the Bronze Age, Iron Age, and I suppose today we're in the Information Age, you know, for all my for my Google experts out there that definitely let me know if I'm right or wrong about that, I think. We're still in the information age. Um, I mean, it makes sense when you consider like all of the social media platforms 
and just the the uh, flying of data that goes all you know all over the place like yeah like it makes sense that we're in the information age but um i think you know when it comes down to technology and its advances uh we i think we've carved out and created a better lives for ourselves but you know could we potentially go too far you know like could there be a point where um you know we're we're so vast in our technology advances that it actually becomes harmful to us you know and if so when i consider like today for example you know we have a lot of um artificial intelligence uh we have um you know robotics that do the jobs for a lot of humans and yeah it definitely makes our lives a lot more simple but what happens when everything becomes too simplified and so now you know you see uh, headlines of you know such and such you know company is going bankrupt or um you know 150 stores just got closed down and um now you know people are being laid off from work so where did where did those people go you know and like what new jobs are being created for those people to have to kind of still be able to put food on the table and you know a roof over their heads right and so I feel like that might be one of our future struggles, um, you know, as we continue to, uh, you know, try to make our lives, you know, easier. Uh, but if there is not new um, opportunities out there, that could be a bad situation for humankind. Now, for me, I'm just going to jump in another um, uh, anime or manga and be done with it. I'm good. Now, y'all, on the other hand... Ah, time, time will tell. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know, I that was the end of our A side conversation. I'm going to take a short break, um, you know, and we'll get back to our B side episode. Uh, we'll load that up, and we'll have some more anime discussions. Hey, don't touch that screen. This is the Bingo Book Podcast. We'll be right back. Hey. Hey, if you are a new listener or watcher of the live stream content, we're glad to have you here. And, you know, we hope that you'll continue to support us. And of course, for our returning audience, hey, I heart you. <laughs> All right. So let's not waste any time. We have our summer 2022 anime discussions for our B-side slate. And in today's episode, we'll be discussing several topics such as the origin of air hockey. Now, I was surprised to see that this game uh, was being played in one of our animes this season. So I thought it would be really cool for us to just shed a little bit of light and, and dive in a little bit on the origin of where air hockey comes from. We'll also be discussing what is simping. I mean, seriously, <laughs> seriously, what is simping? You know, I've heard this word very, very often, um, but what is simping actually? So we'll definitely be looking at the definitions of that and just kind of, you know, just having a conversation around that term. Um, but we'll be discussing this and many more topics in today's episode. So let's not waste any time and hop straight into it. So we have 
our first anime for discussion, and that is season two of Shadow's House, episode nine, titled The Last Lessons. Now, in this episode, Shadow Mo, uh, Shadow Mo, <laughs> Shadow Mo. <laughs> Who's dad? <laughs> Shadow Mary Rose and Doll Rosemary, they set out to teach Kate, Emilico, John, and Sean some important lessons that could benefit them in the future. And so, you know, there's a lot that kind of happened in this episode. I really don't want to spoil it, but uh, pretty cool uh, episode. I really, really love Shadow House as an anime. It's, it's just such a unique property. I, I really feel like anybody that's, um, you know, like something that's a little bit different uh, than a lot of other animes, you'll, you'll really enjoy Shadow's House, I believe. But um, yeah, I mean, teaching valuable lessons to the youth. I mean, Mary Rose and Rosemary pretty much being uh, Katie, Miliko, John and Sean's seniors, you know, they were already set in a position where they were like teaching them kind of the ropes around Shadow's house as Doll and, you know, Kate and John receiving their information from Mary Rose of how to conduct themselves as members of, you know, Shadow's house. And so, you know, the term each one teach one comes to mind, you know, it, it really does because, you know, if you have information you know, you shouldn't withhold that information, especially if it's something that can support or uplift somebody else. So, you know, pass that information along and eventually that person will find someone else to pass that information along. And it's just a chain reaction of things uh, that happen. And I mean, if you think about uh, society, in my opinion, that's pretty much how we got to where we are today, you know, from a each one teach one perspective. I mean, there's been many, many situations where uh, things have failed, experiments have failed, um, tests have didn't go exactly right. But those, you know, instances and experiences of learning something new each and every time throughout that process uh, was able to kind of refine situations and now we have, you know, much more beautiful pieces in, you know, systematic processes in place. So, you know, definitely, uh, I really like that saying a lot, but uh, you also hear the saying, pay it forward. You know, that's uh, honestly one of my favorite terms or phrases that I've heard in my lifetime is, you know, if you've been given a lot in your life, whether you are wealthy, whether you are rich in information, um, you're super smart, a brainiac, <laughs> you got that brick, you know, big brain power, you know, I feel like paying it forward and, uh, you know, helping someone else out with that information that you have, uh, is very, very valuable and important to, uh, our youth, especially because, you know, they're the next ones that's up to bat. They're going to be the ones that, I mean, you hear a lot, you know, okay, you know, my, son or my daughter is going, they're going to right my wrongs. Well, I don't, I'm not necessarily going to go to that extreme, but, uh, you know, I, I do think that most of us would say, you know, Hey, we're looking forward to the future, making better decisions than we did. And hopefully they have a prosperous and great, you know, a time ahead of them. Um, but 
if we don't put them in a position where they can really blossom and do well, then, you know, who's really to blame here? You know, so I, I do think that paying it forward and really, you know, uh, taking the time to mentor or teach other people is a very good thing. Uh, but then another thing you have to consider is evolution. Like, like evolution is a, a big part of, you know, teaching lessons because um, when you look at sports, for example, let's take basketball, for example, uh, you know, players in the past, you know, if we go back to like the sixties, you know, they probably would get smoked by a lot of players of today because of the skill set and, you know, just how much the rules have changed and even the court that they play on basketball wise, you know, there was a time in the beginning of basketball, there was not really a, a three point line. That was, you know, some, something that was added a little bit later. And so, um, you know, that, that evolution of the sport itself and the players cause for some of that to, to happen. So uh, when you think about, you know, what it took for uh, sports to kind of get to this point, you know, there was a lot of sacrifices, a lot of game plans, a lot of strength and conditioning. I mean, so many things uh, went into it for this evolution to happen. And that is kind of a thing that happens across the board. You know, when you think about children of maybe like the early 1900s, right? You know, they're probably more astute in doing um, like farming techniques or something like that. But when it comes down to processes like computers and, and, and things of that nature, that's all time that took to kind of get to this point. And it was because of the evolution, you know? So <laughs> some could say, well, that's kind of bad because, you know, we end up losing something to earn something else. And maybe the thing that we lost might be more valuable in today's time or uh, maybe a lost art. But I feel like that's also just kind of a, a natural part of evolution. Like that's that's kind of going to happen. And eventually with time, as we kind of find that, um, you know, these things are kind of more are very important, we'll probably most likely adapt and evolve to doing you know, the, that thing of the past, but probably find ways to make it even better, right? Yeah, you know, hey, you know, if there is someone in your life that uh, you feel that was, you know, a teacher of some sort and gave you some life lessons, you know, feel free to share that experience in the chat or the comments because um, I really like that. You know, I'm a person that really likes learning. I know my eyes are just going crazy because I'm, <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on <laughs> but um yeah you know uh the teaching the youth is a very very important thing and it's something that i'm a very very uh you know strong believer in I, I try to do my part in and i hope that others do too okay let's move on to our next anime for discussion and that is When will Ayamu make his move? Episode nine, titled "I Want to Make Memories, Senpai." So, uh, in this episode, Ayamu, Urushi, uh, Takeru, and Rin wind up spending time together during the Golden Week. Now, uh, Golden Week, if y'all know, in in uh, Japan, is uh, essentially a time where um, the Japanese citizens get uh, about a week off. And it's very much so like vacation time. Like this is the moment where we can take vacation. 
And a lot of plans happen kind of around this time. Well, in this anime episode, uh, you know, this uh, group of friends, they decide, hey, you know what? On the last day of Golden Week, hey, let's spend time together and go to an arcade center. And so they go to an arcade center and there's several different games that are played uh there like they play whack-a-mole and you know like the basketball game where like whoever scores uh the most baskets in you know a certain amount of time it might be like a minute and 50 seconds or something like that uh wins and gets tickets and stuff they did pretty much that you know um but the game that stood out the most to me that they played was air hockey they play dual uh duo air hockey and i was like wait what like air hockey in anime like this is actually pretty dope like you don't see this very often so i, I wanted to kind of take a little bit of time and talk about the origin of air hockey um you know the original air tables uh came as of the 1940s uh, and during that time, like the, the table had really large holes uh, that were plugged by ball bearings, which is <laughs> like, that's like the weirdest thing that I can, you know, kind of imagine. And so there was an object sitting on a table uh, that would depress the balls and that would allow air to escape and lift the object slightly off the table so uh you know during the 1940s like you know you had these balls and there was a little bit of air that could move the you know the balls but it wasn't really necessarily there yet to for the conventional air hockey that we know as of today so by 1967 uh you know air hockey had been refined and repurposed as a tool for teaching elementary physics now i found that to be like really really cool like wait what like they were building stuff to teach and i, I recently saw a a twitter um come or or post that was a teacher that used their nintendo uh, switch to teach a class i guess about like the environment and stuff and i was like yeah like that to me, like, that's what you do to, like, engage students and try to, like, find that medium where you gather their interests. Because we know most people, most young people love video games, um, but also trying to make education exciting. And so I feel like in my past life, I might have, you know, if I wasn't, um, you know, running for uh, mayor or, or, you know, part of this Congress or something like that, I would have probably been a teacher. Right. <laughs> but, you know, the tabletop later, you know, was a, you know, just visually wise was a sandwich of fiberboard and plexiglass sheets separated by a honeycomb structure. So the top surface was drilled with a grid of small holes. So when you think about this grid of small holes, I'm sure that, this is kind of formulating in your minds like, oh, okay, this is this is starting to feel like the air hockey that I know of today. And I say, yeah, you're probably like in the uh, on the right page. So um, so then there was a space between the boards that was supplied with low pressure compressed air, just enough to allow air pucks to flow over the surface. So, yeah, this is starting to sound a lot more like what we know to be air hockey. Uh, in 1968, 
Sega released an arcade electromechanical game similar to era hockey called Moto Polo. Based on Polo, two players moved a miniature motorbike around inside a cabinet with each player attempting to knock the balls into an opponent's goal. So the way I kind of visualize this Moto Polo is like um, the futsal game, you know, where like it's the it's like soccer in a way. You have the handles and they're like going back and forth and going crazy, going ape shit, <laughs> you know, knocking the, the ball around, I guess you could say. Like that's kind of how I envision this uh, Moto Polo game. But you know what's so interesting? Sega is at the helm of this and I feel like Sega isn't as um reputable today I mean I'd say like the the resurgence of uh Sonic has kind of made Sega like a, a more popular again but in the grand scheme of things like Sega used to be a really really huge deal you know just looking at news circuits and stuff like that and so the fact that they were at the forefront of so many classic things uh, that brought a lot of entertainment to our lives it's kind of like man like you kind of hope that they'll ever they'll reach those glory days again right <laughs> but um yeah so after that point uh air hockey was created by a group of brunswick billards uh, employees from 1969 to 1972. So Brunswick Billards. So when you think about Billards, that's pretty much pool, right? Um, in 1969, a trio of Brunswick engineers named Phil Crossman, Bob Kenrick, and Brad Baldwin began work on creating a game using a low friction surface the project stagnated for several years until it was later revived by Bob Lemoy. Lemix? Lemoy? <laughs> I, I don't know how to say your name, dude. I'm sorry. Like, please forgive me. Please. Um, but <laughs> who then focused on implementing an, an uh, abstracted version of ice hockey. And that's pretty much like how air hockey came to be you know it was a, a process of evolution that happened uh and eventually over time you know it got in the hands of uh mr bob l and i can't i'm not, gonna, I'm not even gonna attempt to try to say his last name again right <laughs> but you know and and he made this fantastic game and i can remember when i was really 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 young um me and my oldest brother would play ice uh, ice uh, air hockey all the time like we literally would set it up uh, on the floor of our bedroom and we just play back and forth and it wasn't that huge like it might have been um if you think about like the length of a a, a skateboard it might have been like the length of that, but the width, you know, it was kind of wide, but it wasn't like a traditional air hockey game that you would see in like an arcade building or something like that. And uh, me and my brother, we had a ball. We had a great time. And honestly, you know, just kind of thinking about the uh, person that kind of uh, introduced air hockey and, and implemented and made it a, a version of ice hockey. Um, it really kind of made me want to get into hockey a lot more like it made me want to like actually watch games you know and so even today like i'm still like oh, i really hope that i get the opportunity to to be more involved in in the sport but you never know <laughs> 
But hey, you know, hey, if I hope that y'all like that piece about the origin of air hockey. I hope that you learned something with that. You know, definitely make sure that you send us some comments, some likes, whatever, because um, we'd like that. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next anime for discussion. And that is Call of the Night, Episode 9 titled ninth night no fair it's no fair um and this episode siri spends time with cole and they decide to go to a karaoke lounge now if y'all if you're not in the know then you should know that in japan karaoke is a huge thing it's literally one of the biggest pastimes in japan it's like hey let's go to a karaoke lounge sing some songs and have a good time share some drinks maybe eat a little bit of food um a lot of times they, they may uh, byob like bring their own food um and sometimes the venue itself offers food to serve too but they're inside of this lounge together and sari starts to talk to ko about her issues with being popular that's one of her things she's like hey i'm i'm really really popular and it actually becomes kind of annoying, you know. Uh, but to our amazement, while they're having this conversation, uh, they get in a very unsuspected visitor who calls out desperately to be acknowledged by Siri. And so for those of you that are watching the uh, live stream, you can see this shadowy figure that appears to be wearing glasses uh, in our, our screenshot. And, you know, this is that unsuspected visitor that uh, Sari gets um and you know I, I felt like the first thing I thought when I saw this scene and I saw this dude kind of just whimpering out for Sari to kind of acknowledge him I was like okay is is this a simp like no honestly like seriously like, is this a simp is this what people would call a simp because I've heard the term all the time like you know if you're on the internet then you've heard it plenty of times but the true definition of what a simp is i never took the time to really find out like what that truly means so i decided you know what we're gonna launch the pod and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this so what is simping what is simping now do <laughs> y'all that are watching like maybe you have your own term of like what is simping like let me know. Like I want to. I want to know what your thoughts are when it comes down to what a simp is. But um, uh, some terms that I I pulled from the internets, <laughs> they say that a simp is an internet slang term describing someone who shows excessive sympathy and attention towards another person, typically someone who does not reciprocate the same feelings. And in pursuit of affection or a sexual relationship with that person. Ooh. Wait, wait, let's hold on. Let's back that up and go. Let's break it down just a little bit. Shows excessive sympathy and attention towards another person. So uh, I hey, I really really like you i really like you i really want to spend time with you i think that you're super cool anything that you want to talk about i'm willing to talk with you about right so that's kind of the start of it like hey like 
I'm all over you. I, I'm, I'm, you know, anything that you, you want to discuss, I'm willing to give you the time and the ear to hear you out or talk to you. Okay. Let's go to the, the next part of that. Typically, someone who does not reciprocate the same feelings. So they're, they're talking to someone and they're pretty much saying, Hey, I'm all over you, anything that you want. But when it's that their turn to receive that same type of sympathy and attention, that person is not willing to give it to them at all. Okay. All right. This is, this is this I'm, I'm bridging the gap. This is all starting to make a little bit more sense now from what I've, I keep hearing and kind of the examples that I see. All right, let's, let's move further into this discussion. Shall we? Um, in pursuit of affection or a sexual relationship. Whoa. Now see this, this, this is the part that I think a lot of us don't consider when I hear, when I hear the term, because I honestly, when I heard the term simp, I wasn't thinking about this part in pursuit of affection or a sexual relationship. So if, if you're not looking for affection or a sexual relationship, then you don't necessarily classify as a simp based on these standards. So you could, you could honestly be just a very loving, concerning, sympathetic person. And that doesn't necessarily make you a simp, right? I mean, I, I mean, just, just be honest. It's just my, my thoughts about, about the matter. Um, so let's go on. Like we have, a little bit more, you know, now I've got some more definitions about this. So the urban dictionary goes on to say, um, when defining a simp as someone who does not, Oh, I kind of, I read that wrong. <laughs> someone who does way too much for a person they like this behavior known as simping is carried out toward a variety of targets, including celebrities, politicians, e-girls, and e-boys. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, like let's let's they said they said e-boys, y'all. Did y'all did y'all hear that? E-boys? That ain't me, right? <laughs> y'all cause am I an e-boy? <laughs> Sad times, y'all. Sad times. <laughs> but no, I guess I guess it's towards me. It's towards me. I'm I'm the target, right? I'm the target. Okay, we'll 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 rewind it just a little bit. So um someone who does way too much for a person they like. That's kind of that's kind of weird to me though. Like if I really if I really like you, if I really care about you, then I don't mind going out of my way to show you like how much I like you. But is it but maybe this is saying like like you in the sense of um trying to have like some type of sexual or consensual type of romantic relationship. I maybe that's what they're kind of etching at because I I feel like by this these standards that would probably make me a simp to a certain degree. Like when it comes down to my friends, like in family, like 
they like I they would probably say that I do way too much for them because I like them. And maybe I don't do enough for myself, which which is cap because <laughs> because I do I definitely do I, I I put it this way. I am priority number one. I always will be priority number one. But hey, it doesn't mean that I don't spread the love in. Hey, you get a number two this week and you get a priority number three this week. And we just kind of go in that direction, right? But, um, you know, a Cosmos in the chat, he says, uh, one way like, you know, it's it's one way like, hey, someone who does way too much for a person that they like, but it's a one way like, okay, okay, I'm I'm, I'm starting to see. I, I'm, I see like, if if I'm targeting you and it's only coming from this direction, that affection, that love, uh, that admiration, and it's not reciprocated, then you're simping because you're continue seeing and on that same level. See, I, I feel like we need to hear a little bit more from the other side and these definitions of, I mean, we kind of got it in the first part of the definition uh, when it comes down to typically someone who does not reciprocate the same feelings, right? I mean, that's, that's the biggest part to kind of take away from this is that person does not show the same feelings back. Um, but then let's go back to uh, it is carried out towards a variety of targets, including celebrities, politicians, e-girls, and e-boys. So these are pretty much like the main focuses that you see when it comes down to being targeted um i mean yeah i mean i i definitely feel that you know especially if you're you're online you see a large following of people that as soon as they see a tweet from like maybe their big you know their favorite celebrities they're con they're automatically kind of um pra praising them uh, giving them attention, sympathy, and they'll be the first ones on the line to kind of defend them at any moment and maybe not even have the full story. And yeah, I guess that's simping too. But like, here's the thing though. So it says in pursuit of affection or a sexual relationship. But here's the thing, like most of the time, like, these people, these celebrities are not talking to you. They're not going to say one word to you, right? So I wonder if your boy Jay Starks ever received some simps. I mean, is that even possible for me to have like a, a simp? Um, I don't know, fan, a simp fan base, because because the, then it would say that would basically say that I'm not willing to give them that affection or sexual relationship in return. Now I can tell you right now. Sexual relationship, not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. You're not, that's not, you know, kind of wipe it out of your head. I mean, unless you're just a really, really good persuasive talker. You know, you if you got game like that, hey, try your luck. Put in your quarters, see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but if all else fails, you know, you you had a you, you it was a good shot, right? <laughs> but yeah, so that that that's simping in a nut nutshell. I mean, I think that was a that I don't know, that's pretty interesting. And I, I kind of feel like um I feel like simping 
is evolving. Like that whole term itself is kind of like, I feel like one is being taken out of context and people are kind of using it as a catch all for stuff. But then there's another part of me that feels like the term is eventually going to evolve and become more as time goes on. Like as far as like additional things, people can be categorized as simping, you know? But okay, you know, hey, hey, have you experienced simping? Are you a simp? <laughs> and you know, this is this is once again, I say this, you know, Bingo Book Podcast is a safe space. So I'm not mad at you. You know, if if you love someone and you, you know, you really uh showing that that gratitude and affection and all that to someone, but you're not receiving it and you're fine with that, like, hey, carry on, you know, hey, you know, I like, you know, some people they have their thing where they much prefer to watch porn or some people they would much rather uh you know flip through their 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 uh apps to meet someone in person you know and have some have a session or maybe to find the love of their life everybody has their own thing that they want to do and so you know hey there's no um uh discretion here you know i'm 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 not going to judge you at all you know now, if it becomes, this is anything, you know, if it becomes to a moment where, um, the, you know, someone is, feels is scared or afraid for their life or something like that, then that's when I got to throw on the armor and I got to say something, you know, y'all, I don't want that. Y'all don't want that Jay. Okay. So that just, let me be happy. Let me be free. <laughs> <laughs> all right moving on to our next anime for discussion and that is Lycoris recoil episode 10 titled repay evil with evil Ooh, wow even repaying evil with evil um <laughs> it's kind of almost like uh an eye for it's basically saying an eye for an eye right well, in this episode, the Lycoris unit is dispatched to handle the execution of Majima. And, you know, for those that are watching the live stream, you'll see the screenshot. Majima is the green hair man. And, you know, he's categorized as being a crazed man who seems to believe that there shouldn't be a power that exists to control society. And so, you know, the kind of the thing about Lycoris Recall is Lycoris is essentially like an a uh, undercover hidden group or agency that, you know, tries to anticipate crimes before it happens or when it does happen, they try to snuff it out as fast as possible so it doesn't become a headline in the news or possibly bring uh, fear to citizens within uh, society. And so uh, they're pretty much like the uh, superheroes that nobody sees in a sense, okay? But Majima, you know, he ha he feels like, you know, we're, as humans, it's pretty much natural that we, like, you know, good and evil is going to exist. And so the idea that there's this agency that wants to kind of um, play God to an extent and dispel like this power and make more good than evil is a recipe for disaster and something worse could potentially happen because of this, you know? Um, and so 
Majima, in my mind, is kind of like that yin and yang, that that bad side of it that's kind of uh, bringing balance to everything. And so it made me think about uh, controlling people, you know, controlling people, good versus evil, you know. And uh, examples that I would kind of use for that is um, police, you know, the police. You know, now, I promise you, this is not to get overly political or anything like that because this is not that type of show <laughs> but in a conversation of 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 this you know i feel like the police is a good example because you know i say a lot of us will say the police are uh intended to do good work right they're supposed to you know do for the good uh society but then you have evil which would be uh, the bad guys, you know, the 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 uh, the people that are looking to do harm to other civilians in society, and so in order to kind of castrate or you know you know really like decrease um, evil intentions or or crime or whatever what have you, you have um, you know a function in place like the police that can kind of provide that type of oversight and uh, honestly policing of a situation to you know kind of make the the you know other law abiding citizens feel a lot more comfortable in their day-to-day lives uh but you know is that necessarily a good thing to have like should there be um a um a uh you know a group or an effort or something even laws to you know could be uh, a, an extension of this, of, you know, good versus evil. Like, should these things exist to, you know, ensure kind of the, the, the prosperity of our future, or is it really just putting off the inevitable that's possibly going to happen to us eventually sometime in the future? You know, that's that, that I feel like that's something that, um, could really happen you know when you when you think about and i really do believe in yin and yang like i feel like where there's a little bit of bad there's got to be a lot of good and when there's a lot of good or like <laughs> where there's a lot of bad there's got to be a little bit of good you know it, it has to kind of go that way and i mean if you've um you know experience different things in your life i'm sure that you would say like yeah like i've seen a lot of good and i've seen a lot of bad uh, in my lifetime and 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 that's kind of uh where majima is going with this whole thing that you know it all balances out in the end but if you try to uh continue you know to kind of put the tip the scale on one side and keep it there eventually something of a great magnitude is going to happen it can cause a lot of destruction and so um yeah you know, i feel like that's something to keep in mind i'm not i'm not i'm definitely not going to go further any further down this rabbit hole because then you know some people are going to start uh bringing out their um uh tenfold hats or uh you know some or some people are just gonna they're gonna bring their educated glasses or what have you you know and I, i'm i'm not i don't want to to um to uh excite that type of audience but i do think that that's something to consider and a a, a, a small piece of a a good conversation right okay let's move on to our next anime for discussion and that is 
season four of is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon i ain't gonna lie that title <laughs> that title is so crazy in 2022 if you really think about it <laughs> like I, I i'm surprised that there's not uh, anybody out here that's like okay we got to cancel them for this title you know I, i'm just kidding it's a joke it's a joke don't 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 take me seriously when I say that, okay? <laughs> but episode seven, um, the title is called Cassandra Ilion, Dream Seer. And in this episode, Cassandra has a dream that shows the Hestia family and party accompanying Belle to locate the elf known as Leon. And, um, you know, they say that Leon was supposedly spotted and thought to have murdered another adventurer. And so, you know, you have a gathering of this large party of other adventurers, you know, plus the Hestia family and uh, their supporters. And they're pretty much trying to do a manhunt for uh, Leon. Um, but the thing about this episode with Cassandra is, and we've seen this in a lot of different uh, episodes where she has these visions of the future, what could potentially happen in the future. And it's a part of her foresight. But anytime she kind of talks to someone about like what she dreamed about or what she potentially saw, you know, she kind of gets shut down from a lot of other people and kind of drawn out to be like this crazy person and so it made me think about the burden of foresight you know the the burden of foresight like um, I, I i do feel like now i'm not saying that we everybody has these you know significant special powers or anything like that but i do believe that there's a chance that some people um have the ability to do some extraordinary things that can't be explained you know they're like just unique outliers you know they it's something that you just don't happen to see very often but i i feel like just these people exist and this is like across the board for like a lot of different things you know from um you know just being like super smart or maybe they have a certain feet uh physical attributes that you know, it's maybe only 1% of humankind will ever see or experience. Like it's moments like that, that make me feel like, you know, these type of things are very possible. And so me, myself, personally, I feel like I have a gift when it comes down to foresight, but it's not in the sense of like Cassandra's clairvoyance or foresight. It's more so like whenever I'm going to make a decision I'm able to kind of see like how that decision before I make the decision, I'm able to kind of um, determine like what, what that situation, like how fruitful is that situation going to be? And it allows me to make the best decision possible. Now, some people will say like, Oh, well that's just good decision-making. But when, I, when you get to a point where, you're able to kind of like visualize and kind of see the steps. Like you see, like you vision yourself of like how that will go. To me, that's kind of a premonition of foresight. And I feel like I have 
that type of gift. Now, now, is it in the sense of like, oh, like if one of my friends was here and I start dreaming about them and I can tell them, oh, hey, like don't go to the store because there's going to be um, somebody there that's going to want to fight you. Like, no, like not not like that, you know, not, nothing like that. But um, but yeah, you know, it, the burden of foresight, you know, I feel like I feel bad for someone like Cassandra because um, you you want to share that. Uh, experience with other people but they write you off and they they don't believe you firstly um you become a liar you know like hey like you're not telling the truth like you don't know what you think you saw and so why would i believe you so everything that you begin to say is almost like the little boy that cried wolf but okay that might be a bad example actually (laughs) because because the boy was actually lying for a long time, but no, I, I but no, in in this case, when you have someone like Cassandra who is honestly having these visions uh, and being written off, the fact that you know you can't share that with other people has to be like a really like heavy burden to kind of um, cover, you know. And I, I, I kind of an example that I could use is when someone tells me about like their situations that they're going through in their own personal life. And I try to offer up the best advice that I can possible. Um, I, a part of me kind of has a little bit of foresight in what they may be able to may go through. Um, and so like when they don't take my advice or they're a little bit more apprehensive and do their, do something like kind of completely opposite of what we discussed. Um, I, it's like, I hate to say it, but it's like, I hate being right, you know, but it's true. Like a lot of the times I tend to be right and I don't necessarily want to be right because I want the best for that person. But if it's something that I think is going to benefit them, then, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm going to share it. You know, I'm going to say, I'm going to, you know, especially if I'm asked, I, I'm usually not going to uh, offer my, you know, just outright offer my thoughts to someone, you know, unless I just really feel like I'm in a position to do that because I'm, I'm, I try to be as respectful and empathetic and not really, uh, step on other people's toes. But there are moments where, um, uh, that person may say like, you know, Hey, like I'm, I'm just going to do this. And I, I know that you said you, I, I should do this, but I, and it's like, man, like I just, I just have this inkling of a feeling like I know if you do this, it's not going to end well for you. And it ends up happening. And, you know, all I can do is just shake my head and move on. Um, and But yeah, you know, so that I, I can definitely uh, see Cassandra's point of view from that. Uh, another thing that I find to be a burden of having some type of foresight is. Um, just the the terrors that you might see or just the uh it does not necessarily have to be always a bad thing sometimes it could be a really good thing but that uh adrenaline of that moment becomes uh kind of overwhelming you know becomes a little bit too much and you can't stop thinking about it it's almost like having a reoccurring dream you know what i'm saying like some of you you know you may have had a reoccurring dream where it almost feels deja vuish to an extent right um for me i definitely have reoccurring dreams that happen 
but they're not. And here's the crazy thing about the reoccurring dreams that I might have. Y'all, y'all like, yo, Jay, like you really on some trippy stuff right now. But no, I'm I'm serious. Like I have I'll have a dream about um something that took so I have a dream that took place maybe like five years ago, right? And literally, like, you know, let's say last week, I had the same dream that I had like four years ago. Or it might be somewhat similar to the dream that I had like four or five years ago. And it's like, it's the trippiest experience and thought ever. So, you know, those that are watching the stream right now, you know, you see a screenshot of Cassandra kind of waking up in this like, oh my goodness, like, I can't believe what I just saw. And that's kind of how it is with, with me with this like reoccurring dream where it's like, like, dang, like, did I really just have that dream again? Like, I can't, like, it's been a minute since I've had that dream, but it still feels so close to, to home. So yeah, you know, Hey, maybe you that are watching or listening have some type of foresight and, try, you know, if you do, I, I understand the, the burden that it may weigh on you. Um, but Hey, you may not even believe that foresight is a thing and I'm not doubting you i'm not saying that you're wrong about this but what i will say and this is um something that i i learned from one of my ogs you know he told me hey jay i want you to take a quarter out of your pocket and put it in front of your face i'm like okay you know i, I take the quarter and i put it in front of my face wait a minute is my hello I'm like, I'm like, why is my uh, mic not going crazy right now? But hey, uh, so anyways, I I take this quarter and I put it in front of my face and my OG says, hey, now the quarter represents everything that you know. Everything outside of the quarter represents everything that you don't know. And I swear to you, like, <laughs> not even kidding, y'all. Like, I swear to y'all. Like, when I saw this happen, and or not saw this happen, but rather <laughs> the vision that I had went that I saw after he said that to me, it was like those memes of like the guy's head exploding, and he's like, "Whoa, wow! I can't, I can't believe what I just saw." Like, that's kind of how it was for me because. It made total sense. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know. And so I try my best to be, um, you know, not necessarily like a know-it-all, you know what I'm saying? Because there are some people that may think like that, but I try my best not to, to, to be like that. I try to be as open-minded as possible because you never know what you may learn. And not only that, but um, I feel that when you're open-minded, to uh your variety of different things that might lead you to a path of something even more fruitful in your life so you know keep an open mind and open heart as they say all right well hey um i can try to go to our just chatting 
<laughs> but you know, hey, if you're if you're listening, you know, for any of our DSP uh, listeners, this is the end of this episode. I greatly appreciate you for checking in with us. Of course, if you're watching our live stream on our YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook live stream pages, uh, you know, we're gonna do a little bit of chatting, and then we'll shut things down and call it a day. How how does that?